Hello and welcome. This time, are John Deere and Dave Thomas, that's me, A, in an out-of-season Turkish holiday resort, B, deep in the recesses of a traumatised mind, or C, on the run from a space-mad scientist, played by Klaus Kinski, in Luigi Bozzoni's 1975 mindbender, Footprints on the Moon, aka Le Orme. Join us to find out as we kick off Season 3 of Due Signori in Giallo. this strange town I know I was never in before. Your pin says Alice. My name is Alice. That's not true. Look. It looks like blood. Spoiler warning, as we will be delving into the many twists and turns in the latter part of the plot of the film, and content warning for mental illness, gaslighting, and the presence of Klaus Kinski, who, as you may well be aware, was posthumously accused of rape and sexual assault by both of his daughters. And he does inevitably come up as part of our conversation. Here's the podcast. So we're we're back. Is this series... Series three. God. Someone's, someone must have be about to regenerate at this point. Well, I was thinking of, I've, I've recently written a piece on uh, Doomwatch, the film actually, rather than the, the TV series. Mm. But in the third series of Doomwatch, uh, the guy who plays John Ridge, Simon Oates, the sort of second lead, and mm. one man walking Me Too campaign poster. <laughs> <laughs> Um, basically said, I don't, I don't want to do another series. I'm like, I'm fed up with, I'm fed up with Doomwatch. And they said, all right, we'll, we'll write you out fairly soon into the new series. And they have him go completely mad and try and like go from being the hero to try and like to become a sort of a Bond villain within four episodes. And it was, <laughs> it was a bit silly. Uh, most of that, most of that's missing. But as this is the third series, and so you've got to do something different. Don't, don't be surprised if I suddenly go off the rails and go mad and. You start hearing my side, my side of the my side of the podcast becomes a vigilante um, protest against, against the way the way the world's working, and I'll take over the Tesco the Tesco Extra at the end of my road. Or we'll just or we'll just talk about some more some some more films. So in this third yes. series, is is there any particular change change in format? Like, am I meant to read um, anything um, beforehand? <laughs> No, no. I, I think I think our roles are our roles remain as they are. Um, the, the only real change is rather than trying to do a chronological uh, tiptoe through, you know, a, a third round of starting somewhere near the beginning and finishing somewhere near the end. We're just gonna watch some movies. Um, that that seems like a slightly sensible approach at this point. If people have been listening along, I assume they now have sufficient context. If they didn't already. Uh, to you know where the jello began, where it kind of ended up, what happened in the middle, when it was big, when it was not, uh, etc. So I feel like 
uh, it's probably uh, pertinent just to just to kind of watch some movies and, and, and thus mean, you know, that it does mean that we're not kind of constantly running up against the 1980s uh, and the late 70s when we kind of come to the end of the season and, and that's when you start glowering at me. Uh, so we can kind of, you know, keep some good ones for the end so that it's a bit less of a d- gradual decline each time. I, I, I see. So what you're saying was the previous uh, iterations or seasons, uh, there was too much structure. Mm. And now and now we're going to we're, we're going to freestyle. Yeah, it, it's kind of the opposite of, of the way that kind of narrative telly has gone. So now it's just, you know, monster of the week, whereas before it was, you know, sort of a through line to uh, to an inevitable disappointing uh, cliffhanger. Right. There's less of an arc to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're more like, I'm going to try and think of another villain of the week, obscure TVs. Adam Adamant lives. There, yeah, there, there you there, go. There we go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're less we're less sort of keys to time and more just you know general Robert Holmes or something like that. Okay, fair enough. Right. Oh, I wasn't going to bring up Doctor Who. I was. I was going to broaden it out. We'll definitely try and not be trial of a time lord. Mm. So oh God, no. <laughs> we're get, so we're going to start with something that pretty much isn't a Jallo, aren't we? It, yeah, it's it's Jallo-ish. It's Jallo adjacent. Um, but it was something that I think we were we were both kind of quite keen to look at because um, of our mutual uh, love of the possessed. Yeah, uh, th- this being from the same director and and bearing a lot of similarities actually, although yeah. not in Lu- its. <laughs> I see Luigi Bazzioni's directed his film again. <laughs> it kind of is right <laughs> and and, and when, if we if we do get onto the the fifth chord which is from 71 which is probably his the thing that he did that's most jello right. um it is still set in an off-season holiday resort right so <laughs> and i've i've not seen either of his spaghetti western so i don't know if they are also set in off-season <laughs> holiday resorts but anything is possible now i'm a big fan of off-season holiday resorts as a not quite a genre, but as a setting or as a, mm. as, a, as a base for something. Indeed, I quite enjoy going on a off-season to, to resorts. Mm. I once spent a nice weekend in, sorry, week in, week in Cornwall in, in November because, um, you know, no buggers there. And I, yep. and I, I love, the, love the Suffolk coast, which is always deliciously bleak. Uh, mm. And I was there in, I think, February. So I, these are things I, I, I enjoy and things like, you know, the setting of something like Daughters of Darkness is, you know, always, mm. you know, it's, it's something eerie about you're seeing something at the, the, slight, the slightly wrong time. Having said that, though, the seaside resort we get to, which I'm assuming is Turkey? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yeah. Looks pretty nice. Mm. I mean, it, it could be sunnier, but it just looks quite, it looks quite pleasant, but, but a, 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 a bit deserted, which mm. is, you know, and yeah, good. Um, and the- <laughs> yes, they shot it in April in Turkey, so it you know it wasn't going to be horrible. Fair enough. Um, mm. I thought there might be more people around. Maybe it was just cause mm. the nineteen mid seventies. This was mm. maybe not the the holiday resort of of, of choice. But um, there's a lot of there's a lot of very nice sort of establishing shots when when. Um, uh, what shall we what, what should we call it? Alice? I suppose we'll keep it. There's the as the Florida Balkans name. Um, going around uh, the, the 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 resort. It's sort of like that gorgeous um, Ottoman mosque, isn't there? And mm. you know, there's that very intriguing um, cemetery, which you don't really associate with sort of Islamic buildings. Anyway, um, we probably need to 
uh, explain <laughs> the the film um, and start at the beginning. Start at the beginning of the film rather rather than the start of the story because that's not the same thing. Correct. Um, I'll, I might falter here. Um, <laughs> shall I? It, shall I give? Shall I give a? I'll, I'll have a go. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, we essentially open um, with a moon landing um, in in sort of tinted monochrome and a fabulous the music. I love the music in this. Um, well, I, so do I. When I eventually put the Italian soundtrack on, right? Uh, and the DVD. I started with a German soundtrack. Which is very bombastic opening. Oh, and I was like, okay. this is this is. I don't. Know. And then I realised that I didn't have the um, the black. I had it on uh, German setting, and I was like, I wonder if the Italians like this as well. I changed the sound setting, and oh, this is much nicer. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah. I don't know yeah. what that says about the cultural sensitivities of what was chosen for. But <laughs> the, the German film opens with the same sequence, very bombastically, as oh, as as an Apollo lander. Uh, arrives arrives on the moon. Mm. Um, well, a photograph of, a photograph of one does, but it's a, yeah, it's a, it's yes. we shouldn't be we shouldn't we shouldn't be too harsh given the context. Yes, because because um, uh, Nicola Piovani, who's the composer, who wasn't that well known for jelly. He had a very kind of distinctive career, but unlike say you know the Bruno Nicolais or the Goblins of the world, didn't do a lot of in in the jello sphere. But yeah, the the Italian and the English versions both use uh, his music which has this very sort of I can't believe it's not, you know, back staccato in D minor um organ motif for the the sort of the moon interludes, let's call them. Mm. Um and and so we open with this this sequence of uh, an astronaut essentially being abandoned on the moon. So the the lander, lunar module lands, they kind of chuck this guy out and then sod off again, um, which is an experiment at the behest of Professor Blackman, uh, played by... Uh, well, I, I would have said at one point everyone's favourite utter loon, uh, but recent revelations by his children kind of put a bit of a kibosh on that unfortunately um oh god really yes yeah yeah both both his daughters have uh made kind of um posthumous accusations of abuse uh his hands in in the last few years which is, is horrible uh but unfortunately in the case of kinski not all that surprising. It's, it's always the ones you most suspect. Sorry, that's like I'm, I'm making fun of the situation. I'm not, but you know, no, Klauski, but... Klauski, Klauskinski was a fucking madman. Yes, uh, deeply problematic, and not just in terms of I'm not talking particularly there in terms of uh, abuse, but you know, was awful to work with, mad, mm. unhelpful. Um, I mean, where we're we now, seventy five. So he's yes. sort of at the height of his. Um, or the low, depending on how you look at it, of his uh, of, of 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 his career. I saw mm. a film. I saw a film the other week on on Prime when I was I was bored and wanted. I wanted something. I wanted some crap sci-fi horror, mm. uh, and I found a perfect one. I found Creature. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes. Which and you, no, there's a load of nobodies and Klaus Kinski in in a cameo role. This is what Klaus Kinski's career is in like the mid eighties mm. with this obvious um, alien ripoff. 
Mm. Um, which had a nice a nice budget saving idea rather than the creature attack you there's a little bit of the creature that attacks detaches itself to your face and controls your brain that was that, that that's you know that's 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 money saving that's you know that's, that's budget conscious also uh it wholesale nicks props and costumes from 2001 nice <laughs> That was like, that's that's a very I was like that's a very good oh shit yeah it's 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 the wheel from two thousand one uh, it's um, the spacecraft although meant to be like twenty fifth century so it's going for like the alien realism but has mm. the same sound effect as the Millennium Falcon um, which is not probably uh, but my fa- my favourite Star Wars uh, thing they nick is um, the door opening sounds are um stormtroopers laser bolt fires uh, and it's like i i want something either for a door opening sound effect i want either a continuous sound or like a sort of air break like re- pressure release sound yeah. but it was pew, pew, as it, yeah, as it <laughs> opened it was very silly anyway that's yeah. nothing to do with it but anyway this is that's sort of like the later the later depths to which Klaus Kinski's career will, will will go, but here he's in similar to Creature. He is he is cameoing. I mean, he probably mm. appears on screen for about a minute in total, but yeah. repeated flash elsewhere's um, um, in 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 moody black and white as a as a well Professor Blackman. Anyway, come on, yeah. sorry, carry on. Yes, essentially, I, I suspect you know he was on set for like a day, and it probably yeah. wasn't a very nice day for anyone else. But anyway. Um, so there's, yes, he, there's only about like one other actor that interacts with him, which probably that's right. helps. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's not even on the same set as I, because he's basically on a screen, right? So oh, there was it, there was another guy in the room, but there was a cutaway shot. So oh yeah, you're right. You could have just just filmed it on a different day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, to be fair. Just, yeah, but so, so anyway, the, the, this interlude is is apparently a memory uh, in the mind of our main character who is uh, Alice Campos. Uh, Alice is a significant name there, um, I feel. Uh, We we do see her, you know, peering through various windows and into mirrors and things. So I think think it's a a lot of, a ton of subtlety in in what we're getting at. So that is Florinda Balkan, who we've uh, we've met before in, uh, certainly in um, uh, Don't Talk to You're a Duckling. uh, She's the witch, isn't she? She is indeed, yeah. yeah. And we will probably run across her again. Uh, so giving about as different a performance as you can from that. Yes, yeah. a pretty pretty extraordinary performance in this actually. Yep. Um, and she is playing a uh, translator, uh, scientific institute in Italy. I believe this is uh, this is meant to be Italy. Oh, it's certainly shot yep. in Italy. Um, and so she is she's not Italian. So the kind of the 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 typical Jello, the 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 main character is an outsider. Uh, so yes, she, she's a Portuguese character, isn't she? She says yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Working, working in Italy, and that's I correct. Florinda Blocken is she's Brazilian, isn't she? She was yes, Brazilian. Yeah. Yep. So um, easy but, enough to make her to make her Portuguese. Quite, yeah. Um, she kind of wakes up in her in her largely featureless white walled apartment i feel this is significant it's, um, yeah, it's very it's very stark it's very yeah. almost it, like i was uh, as the, when i first saw it i was thinking oh they're going for sort of minimalism stylist style mm. yeah a minimalism style uh to be quite you know sorry stylish for mm. um for, for the character but as the film goes on you like that that decor's a cry for help and nothing more <laughs> <laughs> Or, 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 or even you know well we'll, we'll talk about it when we can yeah. unpack what what is what is what is the film's reality and what is the film's not reality non-reality um 
anyway so she she is uh she she wakes up at home she uh goes to head into work she's various things have happened she finds a, a torn postcard with a picture of a uh uh, fancy looking hotel on it she's appears to have lost an earring um she's got this weird yellow dress that she oh, doesn't remember sorry she she no she's found an earring or oh, but one isn't it yeah or well it she 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 finds one earring but oh right but it, it can't find the other can't one, find right. the other That's one right, yes. um and so she heads off uh into work and and the film the the the, the interlude we discover is um a scene that she remembers from a film uh, that was called Footprints on the Moon that she saw when she was a child that, that uh, upset her greatly. Uh, and Another, another feeling. <laughs> Indeed. Did she watch this film? <laughs> Could she explain the end? <laughs> yes. Um, she, goes, she goes into work and uh, is immediately in trouble because it turns out that she's I basically lost three days. So yeah, she, she thinks it's Tuesday, yep. and she's told no, it's um, no, it's Thursday, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So it's like she has no memory of like since where she was on Monday. Yep. Yeah. So she's effectively fired. I think is is the yeah, implication there. Uh, and so she took, goes to talk to her friend Mary, who's played by uh, Ida Galley or Evelyn Stewart, as she's more commonly known. Who again we've seen, I think, a few times at this point in uh, in various Jally, who's who's at the the uh, the best friend role. Um, and as they're kind of having a conversation at a uh, a restaurant, um, she feels that she's being watched by someone else from from the uh, the conference from the institute. So she freaks out and and kind of runs away. Uh, and so she can't remember where that where she went. And and there's this kind of very telling line where uh, Mary Evelyn Stewart's character says, "Well, it's because you take too many pills." And it's like you know, oh, okay. So when when you kind of watch this back, there are. There are clues, mm. <laughs> I think. Um, so she kind of pieces together the postcard and discovers that it's a hotel in a place called Gama. Now, it's not really clear in the film where Gama is, but it's actually in the the real uh, place that that it's set. It's filmed is in Turkey, so let's assume that's where it is. Um, I looked. So, I looked Gama up. There is a Gama in Morocco, right. but Turkey suggests is more just more likely as a holiday destination for seventies Italians. Mm. I think than than than, than Morocco. But here we Yep. Um, so she decides to head out uh, and puts on the the mysterious yellow dress that she doesn't quite understand that possibly has blood on it, but it, it's not entirely clear. Um, and and heads off to um to Gama. A couple of things that I took away from this. I get kind of sad now when I see a seven four seven, like you know when you see an an old yeah. movie and they've got like a you know a seven oh seven and you're like oh yeah. the bygone days of the jet age and stuff. And now when I see a seven four seven, that's kind of how I feel because you just don't really see that many anymore. Also, I'm um, fairly sure you wouldn't take a seven four seven from Italy to Turkey. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's it, the the other thing I kind of noted is it's an Alitalia flight, so I assume the service was terrible. I assume- <laughs> lol lol anyway um <laughs> oh dear it's turned into a 80s sitcom um anyway so she and she gets to gama by ferry uh because there is uh there is no kind of direct uh transport there um and it's it, again it, it, this stunning hotel uh, is in this kind of off-season holiday resort 
Um, and there's a cabbie uh, who we, we don't discover yet uh, is a main character, but he is uh, Henry or Harry. I don't, sorry, um, I don't think he's a cat. I, don't, he, I think, he's, he, think he's just he's just there fixing his car. That's right. No, you're right. You're, right. you're absolutely yeah, right. Yes, yeah. the, she's looking uh, for a taxi. Says, and there are, isn't are, one. Are there any taxis? And she's sitting there. That's too. It's too late for taxis. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, like it's like has... what happens when you arrive on a train in Norfolk after five p.m. <laughs> right. It's thirty miles in that direction across the fens. Are there any cabs? No. <laughs> I haven't got a car. I don't understand. Why would you not have a car and come to Norfolk? So it's like that. It's like this. this yeah, this is the yeah. beginning of the woman, a woman in black. So um, yes, we, uh, we definitely definitely need a Keckwick to to take us to take us. Indeed. Us, yes. Yeah, anyway, he just uh, offers he offers her a lift. But he, but indeed. The, yeah. So this 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 is Henry Stroke Harry. Uh, as played by Peter McHenry, a British actor, um, who has a yes. bandaged hand, which may also be important later. Well, that's because he says he's doing up his house. Yes, indeed. Uh, but he does wave it quite, quite obviously yes, in the camera. It, it, it is a bit Chekhov's bandaged hand. You can you can see like there's there's some script from the seagull possibly on his <laughs> on his hand. Yeah, everyone got mm. that. He's he's got his his hand is cut. Everyone. <laughs> Yeah, got that. Anyway, yep. sorry, I'm, I'm being facetious for the sake of it. No, 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 it's, no, it's, no, it's fine. fine. Um, and so uh, he drops her off at the at the hotel, um, where strangely many people seem to know who she is, including a little girl who is um, whose name is Paula. Uh, although she does it in, in, in interestingly initially introduce herself as mary which is the same name as evelyn stewart's character before which is kind of interesting um and it's just a kind of throwaway thing and he caught it this time watching it um, and and she addresses alice not as alice but as nicole uh and and this is nicoletta elmi who we've, we've uh who is the, the ubiquitous as the creepy child in a lot of Italian. Yeah, she's uh, in Profondo, Profondo Rosso, isn't she? Yes, she is indeed. Yes. That's where we yes. previously saw as the yeah. as the creepy little girl in Profondo Rosso. <laughs> <laughs> she had a type. It's fair to say. Um, and she then she's kind of so she's recognised by by uh, Paola, the little girl. She's recognised by someone on the beach who said she saw her on Tuesday. Uh, and Paola tells her that on Tuesday she was going by the name of Nicole. She had red hair and she was looking for a house and she's also mean. So this is all very confusing to uh, to uh, Alice, who is convinced that she's never been there before. And, and, the, and the viewer. It's, conv- it's, it's all very confusing to the viewer as well. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So uh, she does a certain amount of, of exploration, trying to find uh, if anyone else had seen her. Uh or seen this mysterious uh, doppelganger, uh, Nicole. And she runs again into the chap, the chap from earlier, Henry, Henry Stroke Harry, who is a local biologist who is working on the island. Uh, and then at the hotel, she gets a mysterious... Well, she, she sees a mysterious call, and then she starts dreaming again about the abandoned astronaut. And in the flash into the film within a film uh professor blackman says that the uh, conditioning on the abandoned astronaut has failed so he needs to find a new test subject this is important yeah possibly um it is yeah (laughs) uh then sort of again out sort of exploring um 
Paola's dog, uh, Fox, who is called Fox, uh, finds a red wig, uh, which is is clearly again significant. And then someone tells her that she's expected uh, at four. Uh, and she follows this woman to this mysterious tomb. This doesn't really have a lot of bearing on no. what then follows. But then she does go to the kind of local beauty salon. Um, and the she, per- well, she, she sees a very similar dress to the one she's wearing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And while she's there, the woman, who's, the woman who said she'd see her later is the proprietor. She's like, oh, yeah, you're here. And it's, yes. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the dress. There's a dress like hers. And also, here's the hat that you didn't like, but, you, you know, I fixed it, so, you you know, you should like it now. And and also at the salon, the, the person who's washing the sand out of the wig, I suppose, is like, oh, what did you do to it? You know, as if, you know, as if with recognition, as if she'd sort of sold it to her previously. And she also said that, remember, I put I put makeup on you to make you look younger. That's right, a, yes. Which is, a, which is a fucking bold thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> put right. makeup on you so you look I mean obviously we're putting makeup on someone so they look less shit is sort of the fundamental of, 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 of makeup but it's an entirely personal way mm. if you just say I see you didn't put that makeup I put on you that made you look younger yeah. you ugly cow is basically <laughs> the subtext which, right? is very, which is very harsh and the other thing you didn't um, that I remember only because I saw it very recently is also they um where the old town was that she was seen previously where nicole was seen previously mm. and where she finds the red wig there's um a rem- remnants of a fire and uh the young the young girl paula um picked up some detritus of paper and the mm. paper is clearly from the institute where alice works that's right yes yeah. yes you're right yes so we've pretty much come down to the fact that it has to be her She's lost. She's lost these couple of days mm. over for the for the couple of days that she was missing. People in this resort that she's gone to because of the postcard that she found in her in her flat mm. recognize her, but recognize her as somebody else. Yes, and, and when she runs into uh, Henry again, she keeps referring to she's come to look for someone called Harry, yeah. who is not Henry, but kind of clearly is. Uh, and she also has this brooch, which is local uh, craftsmanship and, and matches several other things that are uh, in the, from the local area, from the local kind of craft uh, craft style, um, sort of seaside tat, I suppose. Um, and she goes in, in, in sort of uh, somewhat of the Nicole get up to an, an organ recital with that lovely... Uh, theme again and there will be a little i think there's a little snatch in the trailer that'll pop on the beginning of the episode so if you're listening you've probably heard it uh presumably heard it by now uh and in the uh in, in the that bit of the flashback the astronaut uh removes his helmet on the moon and it's harry no yeah. um oh, <laughs> yeah. um I, I don't know what that means but yeah it's yeah it's, ooh. <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense but yeah, anyway, no. it's good yeah anyway. yeah um, and at this point, Alice is kind of devolving into Nicole, who's telling her that there were bad people looking for her. And um, Nicole stroke Alice by some big scissors. <laughs> that might be important. Um, and basically, well, turns it- I mean, sorry, she buys. She says, can I ha-, like she said, do you want she goes into the shop mm. before she says what she wants to buy? She says, do you want uh, do you want the same again? Were they not right? Mm. 
and she's like, "That's oh, right. I'll, I'll, I'll have the same again, then, please." And then she passes her scissors. I mm. she'd bought scissors before. Yep. As Nicole, and it's like WTF. Yes. Um. She then basically kind of beats the shit out of Paula as having devolved into presumably yeah. the, the the horrible, nasty Nicole as before, uh, because she's accusing her of lying about what's been going on. Um. She chases after somebody. Um, who went, I'm not entirely sure who that was, um, and then passes out. And she's also been having memories of a room with a mysterious kind of glass peacock, which is very, uh, very Argento. Um, and she wakes up in this room with the peacock in it, which is in Henry's house, which she then remembers from many years ago when there was some kind of unspecified trauma presumably when, between her and and henry yeah. henry when she was a child when she was when they were children yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's never it's not specified what it is it is kind of set up but then never entirely resolved um and she went went so as she talks to henry harry uh she recalls that he'd brought her there in his boat um he says he knew who she was, but he couldn't believe that she didn't remember him, so he didn't say anything. Um, you know, as as you do when you meet someone who you clearly recognise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, not really clear that that his motivations, although that sort of plays into yeah, sort of wider. They, they the, the the kind of flashback to whatever previously happened occurs as they're having sex, uh, in the present of the film. Uh, she finds her mysterious lost earring, uh, and then finds over- some blood. What looks like some is there some blood? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and then also sees Henry on the phone. Uh, overhears him saying that he won't let her leave until they they get there. Uh, and so now she's sort of dressed fully dressed up in in Nic- as Nicole. She's got the dress. She's got the wig. Uh, she said she's um she's claiming some organization is is persecuting her uh and, and this is presumably uh blackman but then insists that it's only a movie and the previous pair of scissors it was utilized in uh attacking henry and that's how he got a cut on his hand yeah uh and and in the kind of ensuing argument this time she stabs him like properly with her new scissors. New scissors, yeah. Uh and insists that he isn't Harry, even though he's kind of, you know, hashtag Harry at this point. Yeah. Um believing, you know, understanding that someone's coming to get her, she sort of refuses to to run this time, but then she does kind of run. Um and we start to see the flashback actually bleeding into the present that yes, the, the film yes. and you start to hear um uh what's Professor um what's his name? Blackman. Blackman, Blackman, sorry, yeah. Uh, start to say, like, Nicole, Nicole has been discovered. Yes. I, she has now, the, Nicole has now subsumed uh, her and has, is now, a, you know, she's, she's, she's become the person she regressed to previously. Yeah. The person that believes that they are being persecuted by this. Yeah. By, by this person that they remember from a film from their past. And then she, she runs yep. and is pursued I, by. Yeah, this, this is why. I, she runs, and then you see her being pursued by two astronauts. Which isn't, isn't that isn't that shot really like whistling like come to you? It, it 
um, there's like one shot of she, she's in the immediate foreground in slow motion, and the astronauts are sort of in the in the sort of back, very much in the background. There is a the, and, there and is it just a, yeah. really reminded me of that that scene. You bloody philistine! Now, um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I appreciate it. it's someone being followed from a different distance, and like bleak coastline, very good gives it gives it that. that yeah, um, yeah. I, I, it, it, there is a there is a similarity to. Mm. To Jonathan Miller's story, um, but if M.R. James had written about possibly astronauts being controlled by a sex offender, but he didn't, so um... <laughs> he did. He did write about monsters. He did. So That's Gatsby true. Is a monster. Now, yeah. yeah so eventually, she's she's captured uh, by or caught up by the two astronauts, led mm. away. Yes, and there's some dialogue. I, I think it's. It, from Kinski over the top of, and he's talking about emotional suppression in yeah. the experimental subjects, which again is, I think, is quite key to what's going on. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, there's a, yeah, then the caption appears saying, "Oh, she's now in an institute." Well, no, the, what the caption actually says is she's been in an institute since 1971. Now, bear in mind this film came out in 1975, so yeah, this is right, where yes, yes. Th- so this is what. I might need you to you to explain it, um, right? Because I'd thought, um, like, when I first saw it, like, is she like which one's the true? The, mm. Which one's the true? Is it Alice or is it uh, is it uh, Nicole? Nicole, sorry, uh, I'll remember Cleo as, as yes, but bad. Um. Uh, and <laughs> God, you that's you wouldn't do that now. Um, <laughs> and but. Then I watched it again and thought, okay, Alice is just, sorry, um, Nicole is a, is a character she's created when triggered mm. um, and she regresses into this case as well um, and that needs to be a section. But the fact it says she's been in an institute for four years means, yeah. like, how long has she been working back in Italy? Well, so this, this, is, this is where I think it's kind of interesting because then the first time I saw it, and, and I think the second time I saw it, I kind of had that same reaction of like, oh, so at some point she had some kind of breakdown and, and yeah. is now in an institution. And it was only watching it again that I kind of picked up on the, um, the, the the disparity in the dates. So now I kind of think what's happening is the whole thing is potentially a hallucination. And the, the reason why I think that is because her apartment in the beginning of the film is so kind of sparse and white that it almost looks like a hospital room. She does seem to sleep on her sofa, doesn't she? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I do wonder if, if, if you like, what, what we can infer as the actual events are that she somehow got out of the Institute, you know, the, where she's being yeah. treated, um, and went somewhere maybe gamma but we don't really know because it's not ever clear if that's actually real or not or just another hallucination um it is presumably kind of caught again at some point and then gets away again <laughs> to go back there so it's, it's so to my mind the only well not the only way it works because again the whole point i think of the movie is it's this very kind of plastic reality where you can't really tell what's real and what's not and it does feel very um for one of a better term kind of schizophrenic like you as the viewer don't really know what's real and what's not so 
so yeah. the so the the bit where she's actually the translator is to me I think the bit that's the most significant kind of hallucination almost. Okay, that's interesting. That does, however, as you said, imply she was able to escape twice mm. um, and go to the same place. Because uh, otherwise, each... the film doesn't really work. <laughs> no, um, and the hallucination has to be very involved because although the uh, the flat could be seen as um, so stark it could be her cell. Mm. She spends a lot of time walking out there, talking to at least three different people. Yeah, goes into the the job. Now the job could be you know she's talking to the doctor, and the doctor tells her to do well, but she's actually talking to her one of her one of her bosses. Mm. Um, but that's quite involved, and we need a lot of explanation as to what she's subjectively sorry, what she's objectively. Um, experiencing, hmm. uh, which we don't we don't have. We just have what we think is her. So if that is meant to be the true explanation, it's a very very involved one. Not saying it's it's wrong, but it's hmm. it's there's a lot of leeway that's got to be given to the fact she's got to escape to the fact that we never see. And as far as she's concerned, she gets on a very large plane and goes to. Yeah, or she might have been kidnapped by astronauts and taken to the moon. I mean, and you know, it's it's that sort of movie. <laughs> It is, yeah, and it's and it's interesting to um, to speculate in terms of its construct. Um, it's a film that's on first viewing can look very clever. It's very slow mm. uh, to its credit. It's a slow burner, which I which I like. There's a feeling of mystery that's well that's well built up, um, and it looks gorgeous. Yes, it's uh, it's very muted. Uh, except in the places like where it's shot through the the glasswork of the peacock in um, Harry's house, mm. there's a lot of dwarfing people in in their environments. A lot of people sort of as like an incidental detail in a building shot. Quite a wide, a lot of quite wide shots, um, which sort of makes people sort of seem insignificant. I don't know, that's you know, it's a it's often used, but it's a, you know, it's a it's a it's a effective in creating a sense of unease in a strange, particularly in a, particularly in a, in, a, in a strange in a strange place you know there's no real there's only one real murder um mm. uh, which is that's not that's not that's not the point of this but it's impenetrable to the point of well, in terms of the resolution sorry i mean it's it's impenetrable to the point of thinking do you actually know what you're doing with 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 this mm. because although Broadly, the revelations are satisfactory in terms of plot terms. They, they, in terms of the sort of crumbs you've been left, the Chekhov's guns you've been made, they're they, they're all picked up. Mm. But the ending leaves more questions than the, the, than it solves, mm. um, and it just creates new issues. Which, is, as I'm saying, so if it's you know, is is she being institutionalised? What does that say about her relationship with the real world back in Italy and her job? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and it's at the end. I'm probably not going to not going to worry about it too much. Um, and probably just enjoy it because it's a it's a fun ride. Yes. Um, but I can't help thinking that on first glance, it thinks it's cleverer than it, you think it's clever. And you come back and it possibly thinks it's cleverer than it is um, because it's. It's a bit. It's a bit. Answers are coming. Answers are coming. Uh, way no, they're not really. Well, they don't know how it is. Here's here's something that that leaves you just going. Wait, no. What about X, Y, and Z? 
Yes. Um, it reminds me of that Futurama quote. That question only leads to more questions. questions yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it goes so, you know, it's a bit um, lost as in the TV series. Mm, um, mm. It, it like you had no idea what you, what you were doing with this. Uh, whatever you thought you, you were going to do in season one, it's gone off the rails. Yeah. You, you can't quite pull this off. And they nearly pull it off. Yes. Uh, and it's, I mean, this film not last. Um, and it's, I like the fact we're debating it. Mm. Uh, I like the fact it works on multiple levels. The shame that we can't find anything that's particularly satisfactory mm. uh, means that it's, yeah, it's probably just a bit too impenetrable, which I think is partly the writers going, I don't really know how to, how to, <laughs> how to, I backed myself into a corner and don't really know how to finish it. But because it's, it's not shallow, but it's, it's off, it's, you know, it's shallow adjacent. Uh, yeah, get, gets away with it where style is always style and mood are always more more highly prized than narrative conclusion. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. And it it's it's beautifully shot. Uh. Overall, it's not. It, there's not. There's, it's really subtly acted. Obviously, mm. you know, whenever you're following sort of ADR and dubbing. Um, there's always some uh, some issue with delivery, but that's not the actors' fault because it's not, generally not their voices. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th- it's I think possibly the English track because this is kind of late enough that I, I think pretty much everyone is is at least phonetically speaking English, and I think Peter McHenry and even Florinda Balkan in, in on the English track are at least looping their own dialogue. Right. Okay. Um, Nicoletta on me, I don't think is, and I think a lot most of the other actors are, are, are looped by the usual, you know, sort of voice suspects. But I think the two leads potentially are actually okay speaking themselves. But it is, yeah. I, but, it, but even then, it's kind of distant, you know. It, it, you can tell it's not sync sound. It's it's very mm. much got that, you know. The whole thing is looped because they're in Turkey. There's presumably like jumbos flying overhead and things, you know. Anyway, because it's you know pa- the, the the beginning of the package holiday, you know, boom in, mm. in the seventies. So I, I assume it's or or there's building works going on or something. So it's probably uh, easier just to shoot, you know, with with no sync sound. You know. um he was married uh, to uh, Julie. P- Do you remember Julie P's good? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, was, know that. she often in the 80s and early 90s sort of played sexy older woman mm. uh, in things. I think Peter McHenry was married to her for a time. Mm. Uh, he's sort of recognisable uh, in a couple of things, uh, but only if you're a TV nerd like me. He's in a terrible um, early 90s series called Witchcraft. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I recognised him from. And I'm, he's he's in the last yeah. episode of Hammer House of Horror. Oh, is he? Yes, yeah. Um, which is the ma- the mark of Satan, not to be confused the mask of Satan. Uh, oh, the, yes. Where yes, he keeps he seeing is. the number nine everywhere. Number nine. That's right. Yeah, uh, it's the one with Georgina Hale, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the. Oh, he's. Yeah, he's the main guy in that. You're right. Yes. Yes. With um, oh, yeah. so it's him and, and Georgina Hale and, yeah. and Emrys James um, in that one, um, and he's also in uh, Tales That Witness Madness, which is the Freddie Francis anthology movie that really wants you to think it's made by Amicus, but it's not. Oh, right. um, which is which is the one that has uh, Joan Collins versus a killer tree that her husband thinks is sexy. It's weird. Um, uh, and he's also Ooh. in uh, he's also in Victim, you know, the Basil Dearden um, film. Right. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, right. uh, um, with uh, Dirk Bogle as the as the 
about to be ousted uh, gay barrister, which is, yeah. which is yeah, a, a real classic. But um, yeah, so he did yeah, kind of got a varied career. And he, yes, I like yeah. Victim. Victim's a good film. Yeah. It's got yeah. lovely, lovely Sylvia Sims. Yes, indeed. Um, ah, lovely Sylvia Sims. But yeah, he's one of those guys that, you know, he, he again. God, I love th- Sylvia Sims. Sorry, <laughs> Sylvia. He, d- he doesn't particularly trouble the sort of European. Uh, genre films that much, so it's kind of interesting that he he turns up in this. Um, yeah, he, he's in a couple. I mean, he's in um, entertaining Mr. Sloan, which is that weird is that, um, that sex comedy. Oh no, it's the Joe Orton. Sorry, it's the Joe Orton. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Hickok's directed with sort of Beryl Reed and Harry Andrews. Um, yeah, so he's that. I, I think that's probably. I, I guess you know. In, in that he's the title character is probably his more, more, most kind of celebrated lead role, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I, but he's an interest. It's, it, it's always interesting when you see something like this and there's a there's an f- unfamiliar face or a familiar face that you're not expecting. I suppose it's partly. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe overthinking it, but you've got mid seventies, so it's the time that actors are decamping to Hollywood or abroad mm. uh, because they're being like. The, the Callahan government is, or sorry, it was still the Wilson government, I think, at the time, is, um, I think you may have been making power with the Heath government. Anyway, it's charging like, charging almost like tax on 100% of earnings. Mm. Um, so that's when you find a lot of TV series becoming films because mm. using the actors was a lot cheaper because there weren't as many big names. So you use TV actors in things because you know, they, were, they were more available. Yeah. Um, so perhaps this was that was part of you know he was part of the TV set that could be that could be used in the mid seventies. Mm. Yeah, and also the kind of stuff he was getting cast in in the UK was you know tales that witness madness. So why not? It's like well at least I'm going to Turkey. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really fascinating. It was it was Bazzoni's last film. Um, it, it was it was kind of it was actually relatively well received critically, which I tend to think quite often happens with very oblique sort of mystery films because they don't want to show that they didn't get it. They didn't, I don't understand um, if this one thing I've learned to this stuff. If you don't understand something, just go. I don't understand this. Yeah. Don't pretend you sound like a twat if you try to Yeah, it's okay not to get everything if as long as you can have. Particularly with this, when I'm not totally convinced by any of the explanations I've I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I think we had this conversation back when we, when we watched The Possessed, and God, I love The Possessed. Mm. Um, why did Bazzioni do so few films? That is a great question. And there's, there's not a lot like particularly written about him. He, I right. don't know that he was... Um, I think he did some more writing uh, over and above what he directed. Um, and he made five films, but over a sort of fairly long period. So The Possessed was his first one. As I said, he made a couple of spaghetti westerns in there, neither of which I, I don't know how available they are because, you know, un- unless you're kind of um, one of the uh, one one of the great spaghetti western, or even sort of lesser lesser spaghetti western um, kind of auteurs like Sergio Cabucci or um, Sergio Leone, they just don't come up that they're not as kind of well loved, I don't think, as as the sort of jelly and and as some of the other you know, Italian horror and and. Uh, Plitzia Teshi is starting to be um, so really yeah it's only his three sort of jello-ish movies that are, are really that well known um, and after this he kind of he, he did uh, what sounds like quite an interesting sort of art installation um, 
Right. And then not a lot else after that. Uh, and then he passed away in 2012. He did an art installation. Yes, yeah, that was kind of the thing he did after this in, in the 80s, um, which you can kind of read about on Wikipedia and it sounds kind of interesting. Um, that that I think showed in a couple of places, but I don't know, is kind of, again, that well known, really. Um, but yeah, this because this only did, I was actually quite impressed I found some box office numbers for this because this is, you know, these are always a bugger to figure out, like, how how, how did they do at the time? Uh, and it made about 200 million lira, which in 1975, yeah, it was, it was about, it, it was not quite 400,000 pounds, um, which even for, you know, the sort of Italian market was, was not good. No. Um, so, so yeah, that kind of played to his there, career. There aren't too much, you know, there isn't, but there's no blood, no tits in this. Which yeah. Probably, I mean, probably the, the, didn't the, help. That, that there is that it's not you know um <laughs> movie that i watched recently it nothing to do with jala it was it was a very very bad uh 80s american slasher film um and and someone said on letterbox never has a film cried out so much for gratuitous nudity um <laughs> and and yeah that there is a certain the, the and again the the kind of movies that we're talking about like i think with with a large section of the fandom like they get away with a lot if they throw in you know some yeah graphic stabbings and you know the 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 lead actress disrobes a couple of times um and and of course this has none of that now it's not Bazzoni doesn't really do that ever um i think there's some there's some grew bits in in the fifth chord if i remember rightly i must watch that again um but i don't think again it's it's not sort of particularly salacious in the way that a lot of jally were um so yeah, what what you're left with is the performances and the look of the thing and yeah. the, the, the plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the plot such as it is, and the plot is, you know, you, you, you can kind of, you know, you, you can enjoy the sort of obfuscation and the uh of it all, or it can annoy you. Um and I think I'm I think I'm actually a bit of both, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think now if I go back and watch it and I know that like the the resolution and the solutions to 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 the various questions I have during the film uh, will only throw up more questions. I I can live with it. I can yeah. Yeah, I can I can I can just enjoy the ride. Mm. Um, and it is it it is enjoyable. It is wonderful to look at. Mm. And performances are, are subtle and un, yeah, I don't know. It's an underplayed film, mm. which, given its fantastical nature, is an interesting choice. I mean, apart I, from by Klaus Kinski, but who's just hired to shout but, yeah, but he is yeah but he's also a sort of he's not real even within the con- confines of the film is it because the, the the in italy it's just called footprint l'orme which is Le, yeah l'orme yeah. means the footsteps which is what she is right. retracing right right so um and yeah that it's interesting that that uh, more recently and certainly in the the blu-ray release that came out from severin not that long ago they've gone with just footprints because um, the the gen- generally the the English title for which it's by which it's more widely known is Footprints on the Moon, which is the film within the film. Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I don't know how much of that was like if you just call it Footprints and it starts with like a astronauts, you, you know, 
versus if it's called Footprints on the Moon, it's like, oh, this must be the moon that everyone's talking about. Um, you, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those um, slightly strange. I don't I don't know that the title helps or <laughs> or <hinders>. no. <laughs> It's the title of the film that she may or may not remember from her childhood that became a trigger yep. for a childhood trauma that may or may not have happened yep. in a place that she may or may not have gone to. Exactly. Nailed it. It is worth it is worth a watch, just don't just don't go in expecting well I, I can't wait to see how they're gonna resolve this because you'll still be fucking waiting. <laughs> um Okay. But it's I'm I will I will enjoy watching this watching watch, 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 watching this again. I will just go in with slightly different expectations. But it's yeah. uh, it's a uh, it is it is well worth a watch mainly because it mainly because it looks so nice. Yeah. So what's up next? So next time, having uh, alluded to him a little bit in this uh, conversation, we are going back to the scary mind of Dario Argento uh so now that it has a, a nice release that actually is is watchable and and not doesn't give you eye strain uh we're going to go back and look at uh Four Flies on Grey Velvet oh uh, I've heard of that one yeah from 71 we've actually mentioned it quite a few times um that's probably why I've heard it so I think it's I, I think having done that and um it, it being a a, a particularly interesting bit of argento's filmography i'm very interested to see what uh what what your thoughts are uh so that will be next time in the company of uh mimsy farmer again and uh dempsey himself michael brandon uh, oh my god yep yep so uh so that's that will be our next our next venture mr makepeace they are married <laughs> in real they're married in real life dempsey and makepeace they, indeed yes yeah that's yeah so I was not expecting to see Michael Brandon turn up on. I'm delighted that we welcome back Mimsy Farmer. Yeah, uh, indeed. Um, which is just, which is my favouritely named <laughs> mood. <laughs> I'm being a bit of a Mimsy Farmer today. Sorry after that. Um, I shall, I shall, I shall look forward to that. At the time of recording, we're about to start a. Well, we uh, the the BFI are about to start a. a um, they're agenda season, aren't they? They are indeed. Yes, I'm. I'm quite annoyed that you're away uh, for most of it. You could well, the, the one I, I was hoping that we might do a couple. Um, actually, do this one in person, but this is when I'm still in in the US, so unfortunately not. But we we will be uh, we will be convening for a uh, a showing of Suspiria, not a Jello. Uh, and 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 hearing the great Dario Argento uh, chatting on stage, so I'm very much looking forward to that. In, in uh, a, a few weeks from now, now being when we're recording this, uh, God knows when I'll actually get around to editing it. But yes, um, so is that the only thing we're both seeing together? I think it is. Space? Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Oh, <laughs> and then like I've been like, oh, because I saw you like we were covering. I think you said like o- opera, and I was like, oh, that's showing. And then I read some reviews of opera without spoilers, and they were like. I might just watch that. I might just watch that. <laughs> see, see, I really like opera, but opera is showing the Sunday that I that we get like we land, having flown right. back from Miami. So <laughs> just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to roll off an overnight like eight hour, nine hour flight and in into NFT one to watch Dario Argento having a problem with his then girlfriend. Oh my god, is it a bit? Is it a bit problematic? <laughs> yeah. Well, is, so are, are, are there dubious sexual morals we, we, uh, we, we, in relationships? <laughs> 
<laughs> we we will get to it eventually, but Darren Nicolodi did say you could tell our relationship was going downhill because he kept finding more horrible ways to kill me off. That's fine. That's the end of the really season. Is. That's not for a while yet. <laughs> Isn't it? Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. That's a look that's, ahead, listeners. So, you know, that, you've got that to look forward to. Marvellous. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> oh, dear. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash due signori, where you'll get early access to episodes for a mere pound a month. Due Signori in Giallo is edited and produced by me, Dave Thomas. Until next time, goodbye.